0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tim Wendelboe coffee podcast. We are here uh, after summer and um, I thought it would be fun to record a podcast episode with the a person that I've w- been working with for a long time uh, and also who represents a restaurant that we have been working with for over ten years mm. uh, but it's the first time we actually do record anything uh, with them um, and I'm talking about restaurant Norma and Caroline. Hello. Well, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Can you please uh, tell the listeners who you are, what you do and yeah. uh, your history?
1: Yeah sure so um, my name is Caroline I've been uh working at NOMA for some five years now um, and for most of those I've been working or been very involved in the tea and coffee program here Uh, so that is me and what I do.
0: (laughs)
2: And
1: you come from? Uh, I come from England um, but I haven't lived there for quite some years. I was actually an art student on an Erasmus semester uh, in Germany and of course I ran out of money so I had to get my first hospitality job. And uh, I dropped out of university to pursue working in restaurants because I completely fell in love. And (laughs) that's more or less what brought me here. Uh,
0: That's like like a standard story for any person who works in coffee. It's the same. Like I was was in law school or I was uh, becoming a doctor and then I fell in love with the hospitality and just stayed, yeah. I guess it's the same here in Noma maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, more or less, I think everyone Almost everyone who works here has moved here to work here as well.
0: Yeah. And you said you worked uh, for Restaurant Noma for five years, but there might be some listeners who don't know what Restaurant Noma is. Can you briefly explain what that is?
1: So Noma is a restaurant in Copenhagen, and I guess we're known for a few different things. Um, We are quite invested in pushing ourselves to discover new things, to learn new things constantly, and whenever we get too comfortable, we try to put ourselves in uh, new situations to see what we can learn from them and Mm. what we can uh, bring back. So for example, there have been a couple of pop-ups that Noma has done in other countries. Um, They've moved location (laughs) entirely from one space to another purpose-built space. So we're sort of known for constantly trying to push ourselves. To learn new things yeah. and, and be in new situations.
0: Most people are into restaurant industry. Know Norma and Rene Redzepi, who's kind of the brain behind it. Yeah. And um, if you've been here, you and experience the service. It's kind of a different level, I think. Like mm. I'm uh, personally I have been to a lot of fine dining restaurants throughout mm. my life, but uh, I always enjoy coming back to Norma because every time I'm here, it's a new experience. Mm. And the hospitality is. Uh, it's at a point where you don't really feel that you're in a restaurant anymore. You just feel like you're among a group of friends who wants to serve you good food and uh, Mm. they just want you to have a good time. And you're part of that front of house team.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and uh, you've been uh, world number one restaurant a few times and uh, all these kind of things. But, uh, so if you're interested in learning more about that, there's plenty of stuff to read, I guess, (laughs) online and documentaries on uh, different channels, I guess, about NOMA. Very interesting stuff, I think. But we're not here to talk about Noma as a restaurant. We're more here to talk about the coffee you serve in in the restaurants, yes. Because this is a coffee podcast. And um, maybe, I mean, you've been here for five years. But I think you know the, some of the history. And I also know some of the history yeah. of uh, how coffee was used to be served at Noma. And uh, what it is today, of course, you know very much about. Mm. Uh, but maybe we could... Uh, Talk a little bit about the history and the evolution of the coffee service you do here at Noma.
1: Yeah. It's actually funny because the first impression that I had of Noma as a restaurant was uh, a video that a friend sent me of Renee delivering a talk at the Nordic Barista Cup or something um, called Milk and Sugar Please. Mm. And uh, back then I sort of started getting interested in coffee, but I was dreaming of actually becoming a chef. (laughs) And uh, in this video uh, he describes um, he describes his ideal coffee program for the restaurant and he also describes it being in the hands of the front- of-house team and that the front- of-house team should have the same kind of experience of crafting something in the same way a chef would mm. you know craft a really beautiful ingredient mm. um, and it was around that time actually I was it's 10 years ago now that I uh, became vegan and so becoming a chef felt like this impossible dream so when when I heard this chef talking about a front of house crafting a beverage with that same kind of mentality that same kind of mindset uh, I just thought it was really cool mm. and before I had any notion of working here I, I remember thinking oh it would be really cool to be the person making coffee at restaurant Noma you know um, so it was actually coffee that uh, coffee was my first impression of the place uh, and but back then I think they were doing French press if I'm not mistaken
0: yeah um, at least before 2012 they were yeah yeah
1: um, so this talk was essentially Renee uh, pledging that he would you know that one day Neumaha would have a world-class coffee program yeah um,
0: He actually did two talks, uh, because I was uh, back then part of uh, organizing the Nordic Barista Cup. And um, normally I would be in charge of the educational part of it, (laughs) (laughs) which meant uh, getting lecturers to come and speak. I didn't actually book uh, René, I think it was Jens, my friend, because they know each other here in Denmark, um, who booked uh, René. He was literally impossible to book, you know, like... (laughs) But he he came twice, and uh, I think you I don't remember which talk came first, but one of them was he was like you said, pledging that we need to change the coffee in our restaurants, mm. and uh, we I, he kind of promised uh, the attendees that Norma would have a world-class coffee program, yeah. uh, you know, from then from now, and. Um, I remember uh, my friend Mats, who used to be the sommelier here, mm-hmm. he had just started and uh, I had been working with him in Norway uh, at the restaurant Bagatel, which mm-hmm. back then was the only Michelin star, two star restaurant in Norway. Um, and, uh, but they had shut down and Mats came here to work and he called me and said, Tim, you need to help me because Renee told me to change the coffee program and I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we started kind of slowly working on it. My intention was that uh, you were supposed to work with some a local roaster. Yeah. That would make sense for me. But uh, it ended up us being the supplier, mm. which was great. And uh, we have been ever since. Um, mm. But it, the coffee program has evolved. So I, re- I remember you said you were serving French press. Mm. Uh, and I remember being here eating and then getting a coffee I brewed on French press. And French press coffee for me is very tasty coffee. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't necessarily the brewing method that was maybe a little off, but maybe uh, the way it was brewed and also maybe how it was roasted, yeah, you know, sure. all these kind of things. And also the water that was used was not, maybe not optimal. So we started looking at all these kind of details. Yeah. And uh, I remember Mats wanted a much cleaner tasting coffee. So we ended up using a V60. Mm. And uh, we removed espresso entirely. I, I don't think you did espresso before either. No.
1: At least I, I think we introduced it when Noma opened up here at the new location. No?
0: Yeah, we well I lent you a small one group GS3 for some years uh, in the old location. Yeah. But it was like a one group machine and not talked about. It was mainly for like people who knew. <laughs> <laughs> And that was just because it was a logistical nightmare, you know, in that old space. But uh, I remember uh, there was a lot of uh, expectations uh, after this talk at Nordic Barista Cup. And then uh, when Noma finally launched the new coffee program, Mm. of course, I think Sprudge, the coffee kind of news website, wrote about it. And like, oh, Noma introduces V60 something. And then the world went ballistic, especially the coffee world, because why didn't we choose a siphon? You know, every coffee person's dream would be to have a table side coffee service yeah. where we brew the siphon, you know, it would take 20 minutes. Uh, and oh yeah, it's very dramatic, but it's also very impractical.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: um, so everyone went very, very nuts about why we didn't choose that.
2: That surprises
0: me. Can you maybe take us a little bit uh, through the coffee service like it used to be and why you, uh, why table side service for instance in Noma doesn't really make sense, uh, all these kind of things?
1: Yeah, I mean maybe it doesn't make sense for the same reason that it doesn't make sense for us to have tablecloths. Um, it is kind of a an accessory to the experience that doesn't really add much. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're known for a style of service that is very down to earth. Um, People are, for example, encouraged to express themselves, uh, express their individuality, uh, their personality as well. And, you know, bringing it down to basics is more important to us than, for example, making something more complicated for the sake of being impressive. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's almost like we're purposefully not being impressive in some areas. Uh, so I guess it just doesn't really make sense. Well, no.
0: Yeah. As, a, as a guest myself, like I don't really care whether you use the stainless steel frying pan or an iron frying pan yeah, when sure. you fry the food. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think one of the things that I love about the food you serve is that I know that a lot of the dishes are extremely complicated to make, but then it's presented as if it's almost not prepared at all
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: so you just uh see like, oh, it's just a carrot and then you taste it it's like, Oh Jesus Christ, this is the best carrot I've ever tasted <laughs> as an example, like it doesn't have yeah. to be a carrot but um of course you've done something to it it's not cooking doesn't necessarily have to be uh, impressive to the guests yeah.
1: um, it's a it carries much more impact if you present something in an unassuming way yeah. and then you over-deliver as opposed to promising so much in the delivery of something you know or, or in the presentation of something and then you under deliver
0: which in the case of siphon would be very much the case i think
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wait 30 minutes for something and it's like yeah it's okay it tastes like a dirty cloth filter or you know it does it can be with paper filter of course yeah. all right and then uh, when you open the noma 2.0 which meant you moved locations actually from yeah. not far away from here but uh, an entirely new space that was purposely built for Noma yeah. it was not like a space you rented and made a restaurant inside it was something you built to become Noma
2: yeah
0: then you did V60 and Espresso I think yeah and exactly much more guests
1: maybe I can't I can't necessarily speak to that because I've only been with Noma since oh since they've the been open oh really year, yeah. yeah so I uh I had my trial week in the first, um, first season here in the new space. Um,
0: but typically how many guests do you serve in, uh, in one evening?
1: One evening would be 85. Yeah. Uh, previously we would do 115 guests, Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've kind of over the past five years shifted things around, but yeah, V60 and espresso was what we were serving. Um, and I mean, I remember arriving here in, th- being quite impressed by that. Mm. I, I'd worked in coffee shops before, and I knew that even in, in a coffee shop, which is, you know, a place where people work with coffee all day, every day, I already knew that it was, it demanded a lot of you to, you know, change coffees, dial in coffees, mm. make sure that they were tasting as you wanted them to. And then to see that amount of effort being done in a restaurant was pretty, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, even though you maybe chose coffees, uh, m- let's say you changed coffees maybe five times a year, yep. uh, or less sometimes, you still were working uh, with refractometers to make sure the extractions were on point, yeah. uh, testing the coffees all the time, uh, which is not often uh, you see in random coffee shops. Of course, in the best coffee shops, you see that all the time, but uh, in a random one, and especially back then, um, it was not so usual to maybe work this way yeah uh, but for me at least when I did training with the mods and the staff here it was the easiest way to make sure that it was consistent yeah
2: absolutely.
0: Um, and also easy to see whether the equipment is starting to fail like for instance if the extraction goes down all of a sudden maybe it's the grinder that needs to be you know replaced or the burrs or something like that Yeah. so uh, that's kind of why uh i think uh working like that made a lot of sense for Noma, and it should make a lot of sense for coffee shops too and today most yeah. people do
2: and
1: it's interesting right because it, it, the v60 espresso like some kind of hand brewed filter coffee op- filter coffee option and espresso this was kind of copy and pasted from a specialty coffee shop model yeah um so when i arrived it was very impressive but at the same time it was it had its frustrations in this kind of a context, mm. because... Tell us about that. Yeah, because <laughs> we're not a specialty coffee shop. Yeah. Um, most of our staff cycle through many different roles during their week, so you might be you know, brewing coffee one day, but the next day you might be part of our door team welcoming guests, mm. or you might be responsible for a section with tables, and, um, and so it's very easily, easy to kind of fall out of the routine that you get from working in a coffee shop every day. Yeah, of course um and moreover you know our coffee service functions in a very different way to a coffee shop um so we serve 85 guests within the span of an hour often with repeat orders Mm. so that's a lot of drinks to brew in a very short space of time um it's not like you can spread them throughout the day or take your time because the flow of the menu depends on the coffee being served as well yeah um, so it's, it be, it becomes like a pressure cooker. You have to do a lot of different things <laughs> very quickly. And it's not like you can easily find a flow throughout the week where, you know, you know how the coffee's behaving that day. Yeah. Um, so having, you know, liter batches of V60, where you have to be stood above a V60 brewer pouring coffee for four minutes is, uh, at the same time as brewing tea and brewing espresso, it's it's pretty demanding stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to change. What we were doing in terms of coffee. Yeah,
0: because of the logistics. Yeah. And then, like typically, so you were brewing a liter V60, which for a lot of coffee people sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. We made sure it worked. <laughs> there is a larger V60 filter that you can use. And yeah, uh, yeah we, we could make a liter work, but it's quite tricky actually. If you pour yeah. too fast, you get very under extracted coffees. If you pour too slow, it <laughs> clogs up.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the there's like a, an angle of difference, right? And then if you are brewing a cup of coffee, that angle maybe <laughs> maybe results in, or the discrepancy in your recipe results in a fairly small change yeah. um, for one cup. But then once you expand that recipe to four cups, it that the angle keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. So the gap between your desired cup and what you actually get is much larger yeah. with a larger batch. Yeah. And of course, it's not for one cup of coffee; it's for four cups of coffee. Mm. So it's. Uh, Higher risk, you can yeah. say. Yeah,
0: and I mean, for me, uh, it made a lot of sense to do filter coffee back then because uh, yeah. that's kind of the traditional way we drink coffee in uh, Scandinavia and yeah. what people are used to. It would be strange to kind of, for me, it always, it never made sense to offer espresso in a n- kind of Nordic restaurant because mm. espresso is not part of our culture. But of course, we had one problem, and that's the boss himself. He used to love espressos. <laughs> so I remember him from day one pushing like, oh, when are we going to get espresso? You know, like, I want espresso. And I get it. Like, uh, And to be honest, uh, as a guest sometimes, I felt that the filter coffee that was presented here uh, just didn't make an impact mm-hmm. uh, or impression uh, after a meal because you had so many Im- flavor impressions throughout a whole meal here with wine and everything and then you came to the coffee and it it just tasted a little weak maybe or Mm. it just didn't have the intensity that i was expecting uh, maybe after a dinner like this yeah so uh, that's always been something that uh, yeah i wanted espresso myself but for me also espresso is too strong yeah like it's just so much so too much it's bitter and you know Uh, I like espresso, but maybe not after a meal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and as a guest uh, at a restaurant like this, you've tried so many different flavors by Mm. the end of your meal. Your palate is tired, and maybe a lot of these flavors are things you've never tried before. And your brain and your palate is working very hard. And so having an espresso almost feels like an assault on the palate. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And also a lot of the flavor, Uh, kind of uh, the flavors you get here are a lot of there's a lot of berries florals Mm. stuff like that even in the most heavy menus like the game menu you still get a lot of these kind of uh, different herbal flavors and stuff that are more delicate and yeah then you're getting a bitter cup of coffee at the end it's that's not a good experience
1: it's the same reason that we don't serve for example heavy bordeaux We don't have them on the wine list Um, simply because it doesn't match the flavor profile of the restaurant. And yeah, there are a few deeper reds, but by and large our wine list is also leaning on the lighter side of things. Um, And ultimately the beverage selection is there to be in service of the menu and Mm. in service of the food and the cuisine that we're serving. And being aware of, yeah, the beverages function in that way is really important, I think.
0: That's very interesting that you say because uh, as a coffee person, you come to a restaurant and you get upset because they don't do the coffee the way you want it to be done, yeah. you know, <laughs> like every coffee person has a very strong opinion. But uh, I've never actually thought about it like that. It, you're a restaurant serving coffee, you're not a coffee shop serving foods. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have to kind of think about that as well. and. Uh, the way that you do things in a coffee shop makes sense because most people go there during the daytime for the coffee and uh, here people come at night to enjoy food and coffee just being part of that not the main focus of it.
1: It's almost like because I'm obviously I'm interested in coffee obviously I enjoy coffee but I'm also really aware of the fact that at at its best the coffee should be a pleasant surprise mm. at the end of the meal, Yeah, not something that overtakes anything.
2: Um, yeah.
0: It would be a disaster if people started coming here for the coffee and not for the food. <laughs> <laughs> not a disaster, but uh, it would be strange. So, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how would the typical service be before because we are talking before and after now and we will come to that in a sure. few seconds because we have introduced a new brewing method here. But before yeah. we start talking about that, uh, tell us about uh, for the last two years or three years, how was a typical coffee service here? Mm, like what yeah. would people order? What did people say about the coffee? How do you present the coffee?
2: Mm, yeah. I,
1: I'd i say that over the last few years, um, people's tastes have changed in regards to coffee. This kind of lighter style of filter coffee is much more widely accepted. Mm. Um, so I remember even when I started five years ago, there would be the odd comment about the filter coffee being too light, yeah. for example. And I think this is this kind of cliched situation that would happen at the beginning of the kind of specialty coffee movement. Yeah. Um,
0: I know all about that. Yeah, I can. I can all <laughs> well imagine. Uh, b-
1: but I think that it kind of settled as people's tastes changes. Mm. Um, so by and large, we had happy guests. Um, did you ask me how a normal service would work? Yeah,
0: like uh, what would people order Like after didn't yeah, sure. like What would you offer? Uh, would you offer a full menu like cappuccino and stuff like that? Uh, or okay. And how would people drink the coffee? How would you present it? Mm,
1: yeah, so one thing that's quite uh, maybe noteworthy about our service style, we don't have a menu. Mm. Um, we rely very much on getting to know our guests throughout the meal um, and kind of gauging and kind of tailoring what we offer them in response to how they've been throughout the meal. Mm. Um, So when it comes to tea and coffee, uh, it's not like we present an enormous selection of things. Uh, We gauge whether or not they're interested in having a tea or coffee, and then we engage them in conversation based upon their interests. Mm. So uh, I'd say more or less half the people would order a black cup of coffee, uh, there are some days where quite a few people would order, for example, a milk coffee. There would be some days where we would have absolutely no milk coffee orders. Mm. Um, and periods where there would be no milk coffee orders. <laughs> um, and then I'd say maybe 30% of people would order tea. Um, so it's, mm. a, it's also very different because in a coffee shop, I'd say like more or less 70% of the orders are milk coffees, not. No.
0: Yeah, it really depends on the market. In our shop, no. But uh, I think in a general coffee shop, probably, yeah.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, we sort of engage in a conversation with the guest and from that understand what they want to drink.
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) And then when you present the coffee, they only have one choice. So it's like if they order a black coffee, it's the black coffee. That's (laughs) it. It's not like do you want a geisha or do you want this or that. No,
2: no. Uh,
0: And uh, when you serve the coffee, did you do any presentation or...? uh,
1: depends on the guest. Yeah. Again, right? So, a lot of people don't want any kind of presentation mm. because that would detract from their service experience. Yeah. Um, but some people who have been particularly engaged, for example, throughout the meal, they might benefit from having a little introduction to what coffee that they're drinking. Yeah. Um, so again, it comes down to reading guests. And for example, uh if a guest has you know, not enjoyed certain wines that are very acidic throughout the meal, maybe we would steer them away from a highly acidic coffee, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so we make these kinds of decisions.
2: Yeah,
0: very smart. And I think the coffee world has a lot to learn from this because uh, uh, the cliche is that you go into a coffee shop and uh, when you order a coffee, you get a full lesson on how the coffee was grown and processed. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's the cliche, but uh, we still, g- We still can overcomplicate it a little bit, and uh, my shop is definitely uh, a place where we can fall into that trap. But Mm. um, we also try to read the guests a lot. Like, if they just come in and say, I want a black cup of coffee, and there's no more kind of interaction, and you see that they have very little time, and they're looking at their watch, and, you know, I need to go now. Yeah, yeah. Don't make it complicated. Make a cup of coffee, and, you know. um, But uh, you see also those uh, guests who have been traveling to our shop on purpose to discover the coffee and they're looking at the menu and oh which coffee should I get of course then you need to engage <laughs> so it's a lot about reading the guest for sure that's cool um, so what we thought would be the ultimate coffee experience uh, back in the <laughs> days would be uh, serving siphon uh, table side mm-hmm. uh, spending 30 minutes in front of the guest talking about how the coffee was processed and milled and roasted and brewed and all these kind of things. Uh, that was the dream scenario for our coffee people. But it turned out that's not the way it functions in a restaurant. <laughs> and I have to say, like uh, I, have, I have been to restaurants who have done that. And uh, yeah. it is actually, it feels really out of context and out of place in most cases. In certain restaurants, it has been a natural part of the whole thing yeah. w- where it feels fine you know so uh, in my experience and i have been working with quite a few restaurants over the year uh, it really depends on the setting yeah. and uh, what the restaurant want to communicate and uh, how the menu is laid up and so on and in most cases you know like you say some people just want a cup of coffee yeah. other people wants to have a taste experience and there's a difference there that you have to read i guess yeah all right, maybe I should ask the question now. How, <laughs> how do you make coffee today? Um, <laughs> and this started uh, this summer, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So I think it was uh, two years ago now that Mats sort of challenged you to yeah so. make a new method. Yeah,
0: and I think it was because I think he, Mats always wanted something new yep. and exciting for each season. Mm. And maybe just to explain to the listeners, you have three different seasons mm-hmm. throughout the year where you kind of change the menu completely yeah and Mott's always wanted to change the coffee completely every time and I said to him like it's still just water and coffee but you can change the coffee of course but re- whether you filter it with a steel filter or a paper filter or it doesn't really matter that much yeah sure but then I as a guest here many times I like I mentioned earlier I've very often felt that the coffee didn't match the rest of the flavor experience because mm-hmm. it was either too weak or too strong or yeah didn't feel right so that's kind of what triggered my mind to think of maybe we can make something different yeah yeah so and that started maybe two years ago when much was really pushing i don't remember why but he was really pushing can we do something yeah. different
1: I think a big part of it was consistency as well. Yeah. Um, It just, sometimes the coffee was brilliant. Most of the time it was pretty good. And then sometimes it would not really be up to scratch, Mm. but we would be under so much pressure in the section that we'd have to serve it. Yeah. Um, And of course I use this term loosely because not up to scratch, we were holding ourselves to a really high standard. But, yeah I think consistency
0: was a big thing mm. for him yeah and also the like you said it's a pressure cooker so we had to so one liter would be four cups of coffee and that would take you six minutes yeah. basically work time Yeah, uh, exactly. so that doesn't really add up to an hour and a half of uh, coffee service <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, yeah so we decided to change the way you make coffee and maybe you can quickly go through or don't, not, not necessarily quickly, but thoroughly go through yeah, sure. how do you make coffee today? And uh, then we can talk a little bit about, a bit around that. But yeah,
1: sure. I mean, uh, the basic principle is that we're making a kind of coffee concentrate in an espresso machine, and then we're diluting it with water. And that concentrate is, yeah, one shot, so to speak, which makes three cups of relatively high strength coffee. Mm. Um, and then to talk more specifically about it, so we're putting 23 grams of light roasted coffee into a 20 uh, into a 25 gram basket. 25
0: gram VST basket, yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. We're sticking an Aeropress filter at the bottom of the basket, and then we're putting 180 grams of water through in between 40 to 50 seconds. Yeah. Um, and that generally yields something. Uh, like a kind of concentrate, which has a strength of between 3 and 3.15. And we want to dilute that down to between 1.8 and 2. We haven't really gone above 2 no. here. I'm not sure if you have either.
0: Uh, no, just in the beginning when I started experimenting, but uh, I kind of enjoy it slightly weaker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we dilute that, we filter it once more just to get rid of any kind of uh, scum or oils floating on the top. And that's just through a normal V60 filter. And this process sounds a little bit complicated mm. or higgledy-piggledy, uh, but, I mean, the reality is we can make three cups of coffee in 60 seconds. Yeah. And it's relatively high strength and it's extremely consistent. Yeah. So that's really exciting. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you have two group machines, so you can actually make double yeah, you know, almost exactly. at the same time. Exactly. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit. So cool. you, you say first to... So when I... I've been thinking about this for a long time, uh, making filter coffee on espresso machine. It makes a lot of sense because uh, why not? <laughs> you know, it, it, the idea came to me through Matt Perger's uh, famous or infamous uh, 2013, I think it was, uh, WBC routine, mm. where he made his famous coffee shots, yeah. which is basically what in Germany or Switzerland would be called Cafe which means you run a lot of water through Espresso coffee in an espresso machine, yeah. something like that, or a fully automatic machine. What's good about that is that you uh, get very high extractions because uh, you have a lot of water, very fine powder, and pressure. <laughs> so it's easy to extract a lot. To make it taste good, you need very very high quality coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, at least for my taste, you need very light roasts. Yeah, not too light, but uh, not too dark either. So we basically run filter our filter rows through. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get the extraction even higher, it's easy if you put a paper filter in the bottom.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and if you don't understand that, then check out Jonathan Gagne. Yeah. Uh, he has been writing about this and uh, blogging about this. But uh, it makes the extraction go up quite a lot. And also the coffee tastes cleaner.
2: Yeah.
0: And then you said you have 23 grams of coffee. Mm-hmm in a 25 gram basket and the reason why it's that size for me was basically because you need to make more than one cup of coffee Hmm. and also if you have very shallow bed depth in a basket it's harder to be consistent i think that's just my experience and then you make a dilution that is 180 grams of water out you said yeah yeah uh which i think i don't know how i came to that number but it was just a random i was just testing many different things and that's kind of the i think i wanted it to go be fast uh so running more water obviously you can do that and not dilute but uh, you want it to be slightly fast and also to taste clean but i wanted to have maximum extraction you come to a point where you run more water through the puck and you don't really increase the extraction that much sure Uh, And then I I think I just found it to be slightly more gritty and like unclean tasting, so it's Mm -hmm. better to dilute with just clean water. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so the strength of that is three points, around 3%, 3 TDS. And just to give uh, the listeners some reference, an espresso is typically around 8 to 10 TDS, Mm -hmm. So quite a lot stronger, and a filter coffee is normally half of that, so 1.5 TDS. Yep. That, that's a strong filter coffee, normally. Uh, but a strong filter coffee here tastes pretty weak. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I mean, we're diluting down to what 1.8, yeah. which 0.3 difference doesn't sound like a lot, but in this context, it is quite a big difference. Yeah. And
0: it, it just makes the coffee taste a lot more expressive, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it also, for me, it's not an espresso. It has more of the texture of an espresso. Mm. Um, but it's not a weak filter coffee, but it has more of the kind of clarity and kind of delicacy of, a, of the no. flavors of a filter coffee. Don't you agree?
1: It, it makes it an incredibly pleasing cup of coffee, right? Yeah. Because it has the body... And viscosity that pleases espresso drinkers and then yeah it has the clarity of flavor that pleases filter coffee drinkers Mm. so we we were a little bit nervous because at at this point now we only serve this Mm. coffee if you want a black coffee this is the coffee that you get right and we were initially a little bit nervous that we were going to get some pushback from people who wanted their espresso and wanted their filter coffee but that hasn't been the case actually
0: and why is that you think
1: (sighs) I think just because it's very tasty yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and i i don't uh yeah it's a very pleasing cup um and that's what it should be yeah you know i've been um i've been workshopping it with varying groups every week uh, since we introduced it because i think it's a good idea to you know talk to lots of different people about it to mm. kind of build a language because it's of course a new thing for us and uh i was asked um, by a kind of fellow coffee nerd. Um, well, this is Noma, so shouldn't the coffee be mind-blowing? And at the time, I didn't, really, I didn't really relate to what he was saying, but I couldn't find the words as to why. Mm. And Of course, uh, these things so often happen in hindsight, right? You figure out why <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, but I've had mind-blowing coffees before, but that doesn't mean that they were good you know it doesn't mean that they were pleasing coffees it means that they were mind-blowing that they were a lot that they made made a big impression and the whole purpose of this wasn't to make something mind-blowing it was to make something that was more harmonious with the experience as a whole Mm. so it'd be the same principle actually i have to give credit to my girlfriend for the following metaphor because (laughs) uh yeah she deserves it but uh so she's a writer so she was um she was thinking about it from that perspective. And she said, it's the same principle as having a beautifully constructed sentence and then sticking an emoji at the end of it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <Yeah.
2: laughs>
1: and actually what you want is something as elegant and as simple as a full stop.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah, maybe a full stop isn't the most overwhelming experience. I mean, it's it can go by unnoticed, but someone who's interested in language and interested in sentences mm. will notice a beautifully placed full stop, yeah. right? so and that
0: you didn't use the exclamation mark exactly because you wanted to make a point (laughs) (laughs) exactly
1: so uh that's the thing it should be a tasty pleasing cup of coffee Mm. um and i think that's the primary reason that no one's really pushed back because it is just tasty yeah and
0: that and something that suits the menu that doesn't feel out of place exactly yeah I I agree with that kind of mind blowing this is this is the thing with the coffee people they always want you know why don't you serve the most fantastic anaerobic geisha or whatever it's like Um, because it's maybe not the best coffee (laughs) for one and uh, there are other coffees that are for me good quality coffee doesn't necessarily have to taste like the most impressive expressive geisha yeah uh, it can also be like extremely sweet and balanced it can be delicate it can be you know full bodied it really depends on the context that i'm drinking it
1: yeah yeah absolutely so
0: um, i actually appreciate uh, more the more subtle coffees than the like i very much often cra- crave more subtle coffees than I crave the more expressive coffees yeah sure I rarely drink like geisha Uh, I I and we sell geisha and I cop it every week but I rarely kind of bring it home to to drink it for some reason and I think uh, the same in a restaurant like uh, there are for sure like extreme wines that you could serve all the time that are extreme in their ways but you choose not to
2: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) because it doesn't necessarily fit the menu or uh, Yeah. yeah
1: That's a that's another point, right? Because the coffee, m- more often than not, is there to accompany like a little sweet bite at mm. the end of the meal. And so it's infinitely more important that it's matching um, yeah. than, you know, if the coffee can stand alone, uh, you know. So for example, this season we're serving um, like a candied magnolia flower with chocolate and then this dusting of this like bright bergamot rose powder. So, you know, bright, juicy, full-bodied Kenyan, delicious. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of know? course.
0: And that's one of the best coffees in the world. Like any good Kenyan is for sure one of the best coffees in the world, mm. I think. I mean, it's, it's at least it's super unique yeah. and... Uh, for me, it's more about serving something that is true to type rather than something mm, that is yeah. uh, absolutely screaming in all kinds of directions yeah, um, yeah. yeah so you said like before people could order a milk coffee, they could order an espresso, they could order black coffee. Yeah. Uh, let's say I'm a guest now and you're uh, serving me what, <laughs> what would you ask me when i when it came to the coffee points
1: yeah I mean um I'd sort of explain more or less how it's going to go that you know you're going to into dessert. Um, would you like us to brew any tea or coffee to go at the end of your meal? Um, and then you, they'll more or less come with the, you know, the drink that they want. They'll be like, ah, cup of coffee. And then you would say, okay, do you prefer your coffee black or with milk? Mm. You know, um, and because you've already presented the two options, I mean, most people will use the same language. They'll say, oh, I'll have it black or I'll have it with milk. Um, We've been trying to figure out how to explain the method to people. And actually, I more or less uh, reverse engineer the process that we went through to get to the coffee. Mm. So for example, we, as people working with this method, we start with a problem and we find a solution at the end. Mm. You can't communicate in that direction to the guest because you don't want to start with the problem (laughs) no for sure not so you reverse engineer how you explain it um, and you say what the coffee is as opposed to what the coffee is not Uh, so if they ask for example what kind of coffee do you serve or they want a black coffee they want to know what it is or they've asked for an espresso and we don't have it then you just essentially say it's a it's a coffee which is in between espresso and filter coffee in strength. Um, that's enough <laughs> Mo- yeah. most of the time. Yeah. But then if they want more and more information, then you can more or less reverse engineer the process back to the problem. Mm. And that feels like a better way of talking about it to a guest. You know.
0: Yeah. So it's not espresso and it's not filter. It's something different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess I'm a a person who would much more appreciate tasting something that you have thought well through. Mm. And I would be curious. Okay, I will taste that then. You know, Mm. I wouldn't insist on having an espresso after you told me you're having, you're making something different. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I want to try, especially when you're here. Mm. Like.
1: And of course, most guests are like that. By by the time that people are ordering coffee you know they've been with us for a while yeah. and by that point they trust us as well i think mm. that's an important thing to mention um so more or less they take what you offer but of course there are the odd guests that you know question what it is that you're doing yeah and it it doesn't necessarily have to be a confrontational line of questioning but you know they might be curious yeah um in which case you sort of have to have a <laughs> strategy for how to unpack it because it is something new mm. um yeah
0: then again it, it's not really new either it's just water True. and coffee yeah <laughs> uh, it's just served in a different strength that you might be used to also in a different uh, proportion so like this is not a small espresso and it's not a big cup of coffee either yeah you serve them in like a 100 ml uh, cup so somewhere in between i guess and mm-hmm. at this one i've been drinking it that's more than enough when i'm finished with that small cup of coffee Um, you know I don't need more than that Uh, but of course some people do (laughs) and uh, they can obviously have more and uh, then you have a milk drink and that's also just one size fits all yeah and uh, what do you do with the milk drink because that's not the same way you brew so you still do kind of an espresso drink there
1: yeah yeah it's it's more or less an espresso drink Um, I think we're still finding yeah finding our way yeah Um, Finding out what makes the most sense. We tried using this method and then diluting it with milk, um, but it didn't really make sense. I mean, the thing that people like in a milk drink is the fact that it's fatty and creamy, and you know, that's the special thing about that drink. And um, making it lighter sort of didn't make sense, it felt counterproductive. Hmm. Um, So for now, it's a one-size-fits-all milk drink mm. it's more or less I mean it's more or less a cortado mm. with a slightly lighter uh, espresso base at the moment you're um, using
0: the pacamara from the Caberos yeah. yeah which we're out of but uh, yeah I think uh, for me at least what's more interesting now is to that instead of it being uh, like uh, uh, which kind of milk drink are you going to make is mm. it a cappuccino or a latte you're mm. more Uh, like thoughtfully thinking of what type of coffee do we use in the milk and what's the proportions Mm. to make it taste great Uh, just like you would in a varsity competition for instance you have to serve a milk drink and then of course you have to think about which coffee do you use and why (laughs) (laughs) what do you want that milk drink to taste like do you use freeze distilled milk do you use skim milk whole milk oat milk you know whatever at least that's what I'm hoping that you will enter into more is yeah. to like purposely design a milk drink that may not contain milk either like but it's a creamy thing that you can drink and with yeah. coffee <laughs> whatever that means can be butter or you know can be many things but uh Black
2: yeah. wood oil.
0: we don't have to invent that now <laughs> you've done iced coffees as well uh, during summer sometimes
1: more or less we've had a terrible summer yeah um, but
0: previous summers you did some ice drinks. Yeah, we yeah.
1: served the uh, Alfredo on the yeah, that's true. <laughs> that well. was a big
0: honor for me, to yeah. be honest, but uh, yeah. Also you've done some cold Kenyan yeah. coffees. There's uh, a
1: kombucha as well. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, kombucha. yeah, that was pretty good. That was really fun.
0: But yeah. not so much this summer. Um, but mainly like when you come here now, it's just two drinks and it's yeah. black coffee or milk coffee.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that's great. <laughs>
1: And then just applying a lot more intention into how we, how we brew, how we choose coffee as well. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, where the most interesting thing lies. As well, how we dial these coffees in. Um, so for example, we had the experience today of trying lots of different coffees on this method. Um, and it's really straightforward to get a good tasting cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, so there's less sort of faffing around with grind size um, and things like this because it's actually very easy to make a good cup of coffee it's mm. more about okay which coffee is tasting great you know yeah. what's the coffee we want to go with and how does that coffee taste the best um and so take
0: us through that like how would you let's say okay let's start uh, from the beginning there like uh, you have a new season upcoming now the game season yeah uh, and how would you go about cho- choosing the coffee you don't have to say which yeah. coffee you're going to choose but uh uh, like how would you work your way towards that goal of choosing one coffee f- to serve for that menu
1: yeah well like I said we're, we're in service of the food of the menu right so the first step is knowing what that what the end of the menu looks like yeah. what kind of flavors are present um, and then we're selecting coffees that we think could match that kind of flavor profile um, and then it's a case of just tasting a bunch yeah. of things yeah. and um, and then identifying how they taste the best. With this method it's really interesting because um, coffees tend to taste the best at a certain level of dilution mm-hmm. and that depends on which coffee you're using. Uh, so for example with a coffee for which... So the special thing about that particular coffee is that it's bright and juicy, they typically tend to prefer a higher level of dilution mm. to bring out the bright juiciness of it um and kind of the acidity in the coffee as well whereas coffees that are a little bit kind of heavier for which the special thing about that coffee is body viscosity things like yeah. that um, those coffees tend to taste better at lower levels of dilution so it's higher strength yeah. because it brings out the special thing about that particular coffee mm. um and even if you you brew a shot and maybe the shot is not necessarily amazing. The concentrate is not really where you want it. You can still get information. You can still say, ah, well, it's more or less at this level of dilution. Mm. So there's a lot less waste in that regard. You can still get information from the coffee. Mm. Um, so less input in terms of building recipes, but you get, you know, you can try more things. It becomes more of an intuitive tasting process. Mm. Um, And we've noticed that this way our team can also try a lot of things and become more involved because it becomes more of a question of taste. Yeah. Um, And it's much easier to explain why
0: you do the way you do, like, because you have tasted it and have made a conscious choice about this is how the coffee is presented here.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: What about, uh, like you said, less faffing about with the grind size, but you still have to dial in the grind a
1: little Uh, bit? yeah, sure. Um, well, we're looking at quite large windows, right? So, I think that a lot of baristas can um, relate to the frustration of the espresso window, of, mm. like this window of acceptability, where you've got two to three seconds of good. <laughs> this is where the espresso tastes good. Yeah. Um, and with this method, it's that window expands quite a lot. So, we're looking at extracting that coffee in between forty and fifty seconds. Yeah. Um, and that it's tasting good and we're getting more or less the same extraction within that entire window Mm. but of course because it's more water going through that coffee it's much more consistent yeah so earlier we were able to just from the first shot extract the same coffee three times in a row at exactly the same Mm. exactly the same number of seconds for example and the same strength
0: I remember when we were testing this uh in june was it this year when we kind of started working with this method Mm. here and uh, i had only been testing it on my one group gs3 machine so i hadn't really been testing it in volume so that's i remember coming here being a little bit nervous about can this work in the service
1: Uh, ah yeah we stress test it yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, so we, s- how many did we make like 10 in a row or something yeah and just timed how many you could actually make yeah, in yeah, a yeah. certain time and uh, also measured how consistent they were mm. and they were like spot on every single time
1: yeah it was honestly a little bit crazy <laughs>
0: yeah and with the v60 especially because you have different people brewing every day and everything yeah uh, the level of consistency is not not even near
2: uh, yeah
1: exactly i mean from a training perspective it's crazy right because before training someone to make v60 i'm not just training someone how to make a v60 i'm training someone how to pour a liter of water in the same way that i pour a liter of water yeah which is you know infuriatingly
0: (laughs) impossible yeah like pouring water is not really a science but it can be like a a source of frustration for sure yeah sure um yeah all right Uh, what more do we need to talk about maybe what has the reaction been with the customers Uh,
2: Mm.
1: i mean if they've reacted right
0: yeah Uh, after you introduced this what's the coffee service been like has it changed a lot has the customers uh, how have they received it
1: i mean i think i think it's been beneficial for both parties right the the guest has a much more consistently delicious cup and we have a very calm working environment Mm. so it is it's like night and day actually I cannot overstate how much how much better service feels Mm. from the perspective of someone who's making the coffee um,
0: because you're also saving time you're not yeah. just more consistent but you're saving a lot of time yeah exactly
1: yeah. a lot of this i mean your wait- those 40 or 50 seconds of this minute that it takes to make this coffee that's passive time you're, mm. you can do other things so it's not like you're standing over a v60 pouring for the entire time so that's pretty amazing um which also means that we have the opportunity to do better service to our guests mm. So, for example, if a guest is particularly interested in the method, we have the resources to bring them into the section to show them how the coffee is made. Mm. Um, we, I al- al- also, as a barista, can serve m- many of the guests myself mm. uh, without relying on people having to come and pick up the coffee, for yeah. example. So having more guest facing interactions as the barista of that evening is really, really nice because mm. you can actually yeah, get direct feedback from people um which is really good and i mean the feedback by and large is very positive um like i said it's a really tasty cup so i also think that there's less feedback in general because maybe people aren't noticing it as much (laughs) you know because it's it's more in harmony with the experience as a whole yeah um
2: but uh it's like
0: my mom always yeah. says if she doesn't hear anything when i'm traveling she just assumes that i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> you know, if i don't hear anything you're fine
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: but uh
1: but you know we have we have had for example repeat guests this summer and some you know repeat guests coming to me at the beginning of their meal saying i'm already looking forward to the coffee at the end you know, yeah, that's nice. And that's a thing.
0: And you do have a lot of uh, repeat guests in general, like yeah. people come year after year. Uh, and have, do they notice it at all, or is it something uh, Ooh, that you have to yeah. tell them that this <laughs> has changed?
1: For sure, they've noticed. Yeah. But it's been a really, I mean, the feedback's been really overwhelmingly positive. It's um, good to hear. And they've become <laughs> excited to drink it,
2: actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a wonderful thing. But of course, it's also they're also able to order something that they can't order in their daily life. So yeah. it becomes another aspect of this experience that you're coming here for, for something. You know, that you can't get every day. Yeah. You know. Um,
0: Maybe in the future. I just uh, read a newsletter from uh, Scott Rao, who yeah. has been working on, uh, I mentioned this to you earlier today, but um, mm. he's been working on something called Filter 2.0, and now it's become 3.0, and it's, you know, and I didn't know this, but it's very similar to this mm. method, um, which is fascinating, because it means that uh, it is a method that is worth trying, because mm. it's very consistent, because you have a very consistent machine, Yeah. Uh, if you have a good espresso machine, of course. And um, also very precise filter baskets. That are mm. They are made very precisely. And the grinders are very good and everything. So I think... It's
1: a, it's a wonderful method for any restaurant. Yeah. Actually. Maybe for coffee shops too. Maybe <laughs> coffee shops too. But y- you know how uh, we mentioned before that people go to a coffee shop to have a, partic- like a specific cup of coffee. Yeah. Ultimately. The coffee shop is almost like an expression of individuality. Mm. Right? Um, but... Because you can make consistently tasty coffee with a relatively small amount of energy, it's like the perfect method for any restaurant mm. actually. Um, yeah, it's I remember you said to me as we were first um, playing around with it, you were like, it's actually quite difficult to make a bad cup of coffee. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, Tim.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: just, but it's true. <laughs> it's true, yeah.
0: And uh, having said that, it really, uh, you really need to use good quality Goodies, beans. yeah. yeah. Uh, I've noticed that uh, slightly, slight flaws in roast, for instance, like it, if it's slightly underdeveloped or, mm. For me, if it 's a little bit too roasty for my palate you you maximize that in this because it's very high extractions, and um, the coffees become very expressive so uh, let's say the coffee is slightly vegetal uh, it will be very vegetal <laughs> with <Yeah>. this method <laughs> if it 's slightly floral it will be very floral yeah. uh, so you kind of um, it's kind of um, yeah it' it's, it becomes more expressive and mm-hmm. um uh, you can't really hide anything with this method I think so you do have to have good coffee Yeah. Uh, it's unless you want it to taste uh, v- more of something bad then you can use bad coffee but um, it uh, is challenging for a roaster I think mm. uh, for us and uh, it doesn't make me nervous but it makes me uh, alert uh, that means uh, I will for sure do something about it if I taste that this coffee doesn't taste optimal then mm. I have to figure out why is it the green coffee itself or is it the roast or is it the brewing normally it's not the brewing with this method because it's a pretty honest brewing method you have a high extraction Mm. Um, so if it doesn't taste good in this method there's something wrong in the process of getting the coffee into the machine yeah coffee can be old and stale it can be too fresh Uh, I mean so it's a new method that we still have to figure out like for me to make a good of filter coffee is pretty easy because I've been doing it for many years. I know how long I want to rest the beans, you know, I know how I want the coffee to be roasted, all these kind of things. I mean, I'm not saying it's very easy, but, <laughs> uh, but because this method is mm, a little bit more uh, extreme, I would say, in um, both extraction and flavor, uh, it keeps me alert for sure as a roaster, mm-hmm. which is good, I think. Yeah. So, um hadn't thought about that actually. Yeah, no, you have to... Uh, <laughs> like we were tasting coffees today, and uh, there was one coffee in particular that I wasn't particularly happy with, but uh, yeah. we will adjust that for sure. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it's a good thing. And yeah. it might be a method that I can use in quality control for sure. Because mm. at the moment I'm just cupping, which is also good, but uh, uh, I think it's easier to taste floss with this method, to be honest.
2: Mm. That's very
0: interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, What else do we need to talk about? Uh, Some people ask me, I heard Noma is closing. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, Maybe it's more correct to say Noma is changing.
1: Yeah, Noma is changing. Um, It's been a restaurant for 20 years Mm. and uh, I think we're looking for the model that keeps us open for the next 20 30 40 years right Mm. um so changing the business model so that we can spend more time on sort of innovation and experimentation and less time on production yeah um because at a certain point you know the daily grind of a fine dining restaurant is a lot of production Mm. (laughs) yeah um and i'm really looking forward to see what that looks like yeah yeah
0: i don't think anyone knows what it will be but uh If you stick around, you will see. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: (laughs) You don't need the answer to everything all the time. So um, I'm uh, also looking forward to seeing what you can do Mm. uh, in the future. And I know because Rene is a big coffee geek, Mm. uh, coffee will be a part of Noma forever, I think, in in some extent. um, Because uh, the chefs here drink a lot of coffee. Oh, yes.
1: I mean, we use more staff coffee than we do coffee for our guests, Yeah. so, uh, no, so, I mean, yeah, of course it would be.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. Is there anything else you would like to talk about or you would like to add?
1: No, just thank you for having me on.
0: It's uh, been a pleasure talking yeah. to you. And, uh, <laughs> maybe we should uh, inform the listeners, like, uh, maybe you don't have to go to NOMA to try this method. Maybe we will make a small video one time.
1: Oh, this is fun. Yes. Uh,
0: And maybe also... I am actually considering using this method in my own store. We have not been serving Americano for many years for one particular reason. uh, And that reason is I personally find the coffee tastes better when we prepare it differently. And differently, has so far been uh, we used to have French press for a while, and then we started using a machine called the Clover. And then the Clover was bought by Starbucks, so you know, we started using AeroPress. Until today, we are still using AeroPress. It's still just water and coffee, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I have been falling more and more in love with this method that you're using. Um, so I'm thinking of. Incorporating that in our store somehow yeah. some sometime, and instead of You know letting uh, our customers know that we finally are serving americano because basically it is Coffee made on an espresso machine diluted so you could call it an americano Maybe we'll call it noruego or something like that just <laughs> to mess with people <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> But uh, I have been playing around with the thought of um, We do get a lot of uh, customers who come to us for a coffee tasting, and Mm. uh, a coffee tasting in our shop is drinking four different coffees, comparing two and two. It's normally for two persons, and uh, it's a nice experience, I think, and a lot of our guests uh, really appreciate it. But this summer, we've been too busy to be able to do it as much as our customers are demanding it. And that's because it takes too much time to brew. Um, So I'm thinking we might uh, incorporate without promising anything. Uh, But uh, this method could work really well for that uh, situation. So I'm looking into how we can do that somehow in our store. Nice. Yeah. So maybe next year, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But until then, I know there's uh, uh, a lot of you who want to go to Noma and uh, then you would have to book tables, I guess. You're at least uh, open for service next year, uh, as far as I know. So um, there is opportunities and uh, Let's try maybe to make a video so people can s- actually see how, how it's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, if you want to try it yourself, it's pretty easy. So uh, we'll probably post the recipe somewhere, somehow, some, sometime. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to stay tuned and follow us. Uh, I want to make it proper when I first do it. So yeah. uh, it's not a secret. I mean, it still water and coffee. So I guess the secret to success is how you execute it in, mm. uh, in your restaurants. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. And uh, hopefully the listeners enjoyed this episode too. If you have any questions or any comments or anything, just use our Instagram account Tim Wendelboe, and uh, you can uh, leave comments or questions there. Mm. Thanks for listening, and hope to see, hope to talk to you soon. I guess. Yeah. Ciao,
2: ciao. Bye, bye. <laughs>